Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for listening to the Give Me Understanding podcast. I'm the host, Aaron Dodson. Psalm 119, verse 34, best describes this podcast. The psalmist wrote in the long ago, Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text, and I do my best to help myself and others understand it so that we might keep God's law and observe it with our whole heart. This is the second part of seven episodes in a series I've entitled Final Sayings of Jesus, or Seven Sayings. I can't even remember now what I titled this. I've only done one so far. But I'm looking at the seven sayings of Jesus from the cross. And the final sayings of Jesus have no doubt been cherished, loved, they've been studied, by Jesus' followers since the time when they they were spoken. I can only imagine the great impact that they had upon the people who were standing there at the cross. And as far as I know, John was the only apostle standing at the foot of the cross or nearby. But he in turn told those sayings to others, I'm sure. And of course, they were written down by inspiration in the four gospel accounts. The life of Jesus was incredible including the last 24 hours, but especially his experience on the cross. And of all the things that Jesus could have said in his last few hours of life, hanging on the cross, he spoke words of forgiveness, of future, of family, of fellowship, of focus, and also words of finality. And these statements that he made, these sayings, In these episodes, I'm addressing, you know, what do we learn about Jesus in these statements? And how can we live by these statements? How can we honor the seven seven sayings of Jesus from the cross? In the first episode, I discussed his first saying of forgiveness, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. But in this one, we'll look at the second saying uh, from the cross, and that is words of future, of the future. Luke 23, 43 Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, this statement of Jesus from the cross is only found in Luke's account. This statement teaches us a lot of things. The first of which, there is a life after life on earth. And that is the case because our souls outlive our bodies. And I'm so thankful for that, aren't you? At death, the soul separates itself from the body. James 2, 27, the brother of the Lord wrote, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. The next life, after life on earth, prior to the end of time, prior to the eternal state, is described by some, and I like to call it, the intermediate state. That is, it's between the present earthly state that we enjoy and the future eternal state in heaven. And in that intermediate place, that between stage, if you will, there are two compartments, two destinations, two places 
One is called Torments, and the other, Abraham's Bosom. I encourage you to take Luke 16 and read and study very closely Luke 16, 19 through 31, which teach those simple truths that I've just stated. Two compartments. The rich man died. He was not right with God. He went to torments. And Lazarus, the poor man, he was right with God at death. And he, when he died, his soul was taken by the angels to Abraham's bosom, a place of great honor and rest. These two locations, torments and Abraham's bosom, reflect the two types of people in the world. That is, those who are righteous and those who are wicked. The souls of the godly at death are escorted by God's angels to paradise, a.k.a. Abraham's bosom. And the souls of the wicked at death, they open their eyes in torment. The ungodly are tormented in the afterlife while the godly are comforted. When Jesus died, or as he was dying on the cross, there were two thieves who were dying beside him. They were crucified beside him. And it appears that initially they both railed on Jesus. Matthew 27, 44, they both spoke against Jesus. But then at some point, one of them came to his senses. Luke chapter 23 Verse 39 details what I'm describing. Luke 23, verse 39 through 42. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, Jesus, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. To the one who acknowledged his wrongdoings and Christ, Christ said he would be with him in paradise. Verse 43. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, and that word is a solemn declaration, I solemnly declare to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So to the one who acknowledged his wrongdoings and acknowledged Christ, Christ said he would be with him in paradise. When Jesus and the thief died, they both went to paradise. That's an incredible thought. So when a person dies right with God, they go to paradise. They go to Abraham's bosom. The penitent thief is a wonderful example of believing Jesus, his kingdom, and throwing oneself at the feet of Jesus for salvation. And I'm going to come back to that thought before I end this episode. But I want to pause for a moment and let's consider together in a little bit more detail 
the truth that when godly people die, they go to paradise. Some have sincerely thought for various reasons that I do not think to be substantial reasons. They have thought that since Pentecost, when you die, you go directly to heaven. One of the reasons why is because Philippians chapter 1, Paul wrote these words. For to me to live is Christ and die is gain. For I am hard pressed between the two. Verse 23, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. And from that, people conclude that that means when Paul died, he actually literally went to heaven to be with Christ. So some well-meaning people think that today when we as Christians, godly people, die, we go directly to heaven. We don't go to paradise, an intermediate state anymore. That's what a lot of folks think. But I would put forth to you that that is taking more from this text than what is there. This text is teaching that life and death are about Christ and that whether we are alive in our bodies or whether we die, either way, we are people who belong to the Lord, who live for the Lord, who will die for the Lord, and in death we will not be forgotten by the Lord. If we continue to live on in the flesh, it will benefit others. But Christians like Paul often do desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. I submit to you, dear listener, that Christ can be and will be in paradise, that that statement does not necessitate that a person go directly to heaven when they die. That would seem to somewhat circumvent the order of God's things because it's not until after the judgment that people will be escorted into eternal heaven or eternal hell. Matthew 24. You remember, excuse me, Matthew 25. Let me grab the verse. Verse 31 through 46, which verse 46 says, These will go away into everlasting punishment but the righteous into eternal life. And that was after the Son of Man came and He judged the nations, verse 32. So going to heaven or hell does not occur till after, <clears throat> after the judgment. When we die, we do not receive our own eternal sentencing. Someone says, but if you die and you go to a place of torments because you're not faithful to God, doesn't that mean you're already condemned? Yes and no. It means that you have already sealed your decision at fate <clears throat> and that there's a form of torture already for those who die away from God. But it does not mean that they have entered eternal hell, Matthew 25, 41, or eternal heaven, Matthew 25, 46. Instead, 
They are in a place of waiting. They are in an intermediate state, a place between the earthly state and the eternal state. Again, some have sincerely thought, well, that place doesn't exist anymore because since the death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus took all the people from paradise and sent them to heaven. And since then, every godly person who dies goes directly to heaven. There's no passage that teaches that clearly. There are some passages that sometimes are misused that people try to use to say that. But let me show you a passage in Acts 20, which I think will swing your mind in a different direction. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Oh, I didn't mean to say Acts chapter 20. I meant to say Acts chapter 2. And I've got it open here. I'm going down through. And I'm looking for a particular passage. <clears throat> Do you remember... Verse 29, how Peter preached, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and known that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Verse 32, This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens. But he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, Set at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Now that implies a heavenly reign at God's right hand. That Christ is reigning in a heavenly reign at God's right hand, not on earth. And furthermore, excuse me, verse 34, David is not in heaven. As, a, as contrasted with Jesus, his soul was not left in the Hadean realm, verse 31. Verse 27, you will not leave my soul, speaking of Messiah. David said that about Messiah, verse 25. But Peter says clearly, verse 29 through 30, I'm not talking about David. David's soul was left in the Hadean realm in paradise, but Christ was not. He was raised. This Jesus God raised up. David's flesh did see corruption. His soul was left in Hades, the Hadean realm, the intermediate state. Jesus was not. And David did not ascend into the heavens. Verse 34. Folks, that proves beyond the shadow of a doubt that after the resurrection of Christ, Christ did not take all the godly people who were in paradise and take them to heaven. David did not ascend into the heavens. He is still there, like all the other godly people, in a place of honor and comfort, awaiting the judgment. Pardon me so I can get me a sip of water. Now, Back to the thief. 
that was penitent that died beside Jesus, and Jesus speaking words of future to him. He acknowledged his wrongdoings, and he acknowledged Christ, and as a Jew, it was necessary for him to do such, even on the cross. And that penitent thief is a wonderful example of believing Jesus, believing his authority, his kingdom, his reign. And a beautiful example of throwing oneself at the feet of Jesus for salvation. And in these particulars, we need to so come to believe in Christ. And so do. Now watch this. This man died prior to the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. And all others who died prior to Pentecost were not amenable to the baptism of the Great Commission, Mark 16, 15, and 16, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. That penitent thief died as a Jew under the Mosaic Code. We need to look to him as an example of humility, penitence, and acknowledging who Christ is. But we do not look to him as an example of whether or not we today must be baptized in the name of Christ for the remission of sins. Acts 2.38 The words of Jesus on the cross, the second statement, Assuredly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise, means a lot of important things. That there is a life after life on earth. And that godly people go to that place of paradise after life on earth. And ungodly people go to a place of torments. And these words of Jesus regarding the future emphasize not only the love and the forgiveness of Jesus, but also the reality of the afterlife. It's going to happen. When we die on earth, that's not our end. And if we're to honor Jesus' second saying on the cross, we do it by living with the eternal perspective. We need to live in preparation for eternity because God has a plan for His people. And a person who made that plan happen, Jesus, and a place to which His people go, even after life, even before even before eternal heaven. Think about that. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that awesome? Isn't that wonderful? Think of those three words again. God had a plan all along so that people could be blessed and enjoy redemption and forgiveness and ultimately go to heaven with Him. And He carried out that plan through a person, one great person, Jesus Christ. And through Jesus Christ, we can enter that place of honor and comfort and peace when we die. If we die before the Lord's coming, if we're a child of God who's loyal to Christ, if we are in Christ and walking in the light, we will be able to enjoy be in paradise. We will enjoy that. 
by the great grace of God, we will be in that place where we can enjoy honor and comfort and peace. All because of that great person, Jesus Christ, who carried out the plan of God for our salvation and eternal deliverance. Such beautiful words. The words were spoken to a certain individual on the cross. I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. But the truth of Jesus carries on. And we, like the penitent thief, we need to be a people who are humble and penitent and who acknowledge who Christ is. We don't look to the penitent thief as to whether or not we need to be baptized in the name of Christ today. We learn from the truths given after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that all who live after that, those facts, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, are to be baptized into the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Please read Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. Powerful, powerful statements of truth in Romans 6, reminding the Romans and teaching us that baptism is a burial into Christ to contact the death of Jesus, wherein we die to sin, we rise to walk a new life, and it is obeying from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Romans 6, 17 and 18. So that we can enjoy, through Christ, the afterlife. Jesus cares about your future, dear listener. And so much so that He was willing to accomplish what was necessary at great expense to Himself so that you could enjoy a wonderful future on earth by living for Him and a most wonderful future in the afterlife. Those who are waiting in paradise, when Christ comes, God will bring them with Him and we will meet all of them in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 17. Folks, if you need some comfort, don't forget to go to 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 17. Through 18, rather, and read those verses over and over and continue to put your faith and your trust and your obedience in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the Give Me Understanding podcast. This has been the second of the seven sayings from the cross, words of the future. I hope it's encouraged you to make the best decisions that you can to be prepared for your future. If you enjoyed this episode, I ask you to share it so that others can find it as well. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.